Welcome to episode 493 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature an erudite conversation, kinda, with urban hiker, elitist intellectual, Travis Ignatowski. Travis speaks with us on location in Detroit, Michigan. And we talk about how autumn has been going for him, buying weed and gambling, looking at Canada from his hotel room. He shares some post-COVID travel observations, room service, downtown restaurants disappearing. We delve into why and how things have changed. We talk about the importance of non-STEM coursework, poetry and prose and banned books, among other things. A grand conversation with Travis Ignatowski this go-round. We have an EWSA titled Birthday, and we share some very compelling, humorous, maybe even perplexing findings, actual findings as gathered by Harper's Magazine for their August 2022 issue. And we have an EW poem called Softness. All of this, of course, will be imbued and fused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 493 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Birthday. 
The sky was magenta and blue and white, vast delight, like the sandalwood of the desert. The moon three-quarters shone through surfboard clouds with fins, and the sun was rising up from the valley, orange teeming in the distance. Bright silver tight starlight twinkle up there somewhere as I run in the beauty of October. I seek the burgundy red leaf maple at the beginning of an incline, just past the second basketball hoop, positioned on a front lawn facing the asphalt and a neighboring house across the way. The red leaves are brilliant to me. They are deep and divine, light and passionate, pure and silk soft, with a smell of nature that cannot be manufactured by man. It will be my birthday soon, I say. So what? Who doesn't like cake and presents? I'd like this one to inspire me to overcome and transcend my afflictions. I can feel and see that way sometimes. Perhaps I have entered there before. To believe in strength and purpose, not fueled by selfish vain and fear, human foibles, the strength and the loveliness of nature can be the purpose. Life lived wondrous, mindful, with courage and love. But I can't buy a thrill I've been up all night Leaning on the windowsill Well, if I die on top of the hill
morning The windows are filled with frost Well, I went to tell everybody But I could not get across Travis Ignatowski, is that you? Yes, it is. All right. Thank you for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours yet again. Yet again, yes. It's been some months. It has. I think uh, maybe springtime or something. Yeah, April or May or something, yeah. Yeah. Travis Ignatowski is a regular contributor. He is uh, an urban hiker. And involved yes. in the publishing industry, that elite intellectualism stuff. <laughs> so yes, I'm 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 hiking through the urban, you know, forests right now. Actually, uh, in I'm in Detroit. Detroit, all right. Yes, yes, it's my first time. Interesting place. Is it? Yeah, uh, got to see a little bit of uh, Lake Superior, and uh, now I'm looking out my window at Canada, which is kind of cool. So yeah. Oh, really? You could see Canada from your window in Detroit? Yeah, it's like uh, right across the Detroit River. It's probably not even a mile. Wow. That's excellent. That's beautiful. I did, how about that? My geography stinks. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, so Windsor, Ontario is right across the river. Well, now's your chance to, to flee. That's true. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and there's like, I could go over there and gamble and buy like legal weed and who knows what else. <laughs> If you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, but you're not. No. Not. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's good to have you on the program. And uh, I know you have other things you'd like to talk about. We could talk about Detroit more if you want. How, how, let me well, ask you. Well, I tried to. Well, I'll tell you. Well, the first thing I did here, I got here early, and I wanted to go to the uh, Motown Museum, which I did do. I drove over there. But uh, they only had, and I got there around 1230. Or so after my after my plane got in, and they only had one ticket left for the day, and it wasn't until four thirty, and I didn't think I'm, I'm not going to wait around here for four hours, so uh, you know, didn't get to do that. Saw the outside of it in the gift shop, the Motown uh, Museum. Well, it's like where the studio actually was, and it's in this like kind of residential neighborhood. There's like a group of houses, like uh, not unlike what you'd see in South Scranton. Um, 
that are connected, and and that's where I guess they did a lot of the recording. Yeah, that that uh, is such a great era of music coming out of the United States. Motown, uh, for people who maybe don't know, I mean that that's uh, I I I believe I know Motortown, right? Mo for yeah, Mo. Yeah, oh yeah, that's all over the place. And uh, what kind of artists pop into your mind when you think of Motown? Who? Oh, I think of the the, the backing band, of course. Uh, James Jamerson in particular, but obviously like Smokey Robinson and Marvin Gaye and all those American greats. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and who was and the he, wacky producer? Barry Gordy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was wacky, but <laughs> oh, do, you, do you remember the cartoon of the um, the Jackson Five? That's in our era. Yeah, early '70s. Uh, he was part of it. He was kind of um, a character. I don't know if he went by his actual name, but. You know, he was kind of like a chaperone that would, you know, be with the boys every now and then on their little adventures. Oh, man, I used to watch that cartoon all the time. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Good music we were brought up on. And when I, when I said wacky, I meant that in the best of ways. Of course, yes. Um, uh, but you said Motown, and um, interestingly, where this uh, event is that I'm at is in... Um, it's in, like, the GM building, which is a whole plaza. It's a... Ren Center, and it's uh, if you've ever seen pictures of Detroit, there's uh, like the the prominent feature on the skyline is these buildings that look like cylinders, um, and that's the GM Center, and uh, it's very confusing and poorly laid out. I'm getting lost down <clears throat> down in the bowels of it. Someone trying to choke you? Is, <laughs> are you being accosted as we speak? Are you all right? <laughs> well, I'm not. Excuse me. You can't. Uh... Pass out while we're having an interview. <clears throat> no, but I've been talking to people all day. I'm at, at a convention. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I hope we're not live. <laughs> That'd be really interesting for your listeners to hear me like, can you call 911 from there? Will that work? Yeah. I, we, well, this is not live, and uh, now I have to decide whether or not to edit it. I don't think I will. I think that was drama. <laughs> well, that, was good, <laughs> that was good radio. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Proof of authenticity. <laughs> oh, Travis Ignatowski here telling us about Detroit. Detroit. Uh, he is he's there for a convention. Uh, again, hanging out with the elite intellectuals that are ruining this country. You know, they keep avoiding me. So, <laughs> you know, today a, a phrase popped up on my phone screen. You know, it was like a news brief. And the phrase reminded me of, of you because you say these things to me a lot of times and to your other uh, friends, you know, in texts. Uh, let me see if I can find it. He is required to answer for his actions. <laughs> yes, I do. Things like that. You do. And, and there, there will be questions and things of that nature. And there will be. And you know what I'm referring to? Uh, well, gee, let's see. Where to begin? Uh, it could be one of our former government officials officials possibly yeah yeah we're talking on um what is it october 13 today 2022 uh this is a recorded conversation by the time people are hearing it on uh, troubadours and rock on tours but as we speak the the uh you know committee in the house that is investigating the january 6th incident uh on uh, capitol hill they pretty much are winding down. They've wound down, and uh, and, and they're subpoenaing. They're going to subpoena former President Trump, and that was a statement that that. Is he going to pay attention to it, though. I mean, well, probably not. Probably not. No, 
No, probably not. You know, he he has his new social media site. He already has has made comments on it. Uh, you know, just silly, terrible comments about uh, our institutions and our countries. You know, it's all balderdash to him. Although he wouldn't right. use the word balderdash, and he said our country's a laughing stock of the world. Uh, <laughs> well, he, it was it was for him, <laughs> to the extent that it is. He's he's you know partially responsible. Yeah, he's the reason. Yeah, basically. <laughs> We elected him, though. I mean, we didn't, but uh, the country did. Well, not the, the popular vote, right? Yeah. That, that didn't. Uh, he didn't get the popular vote the first go-around either, did he? No, he, no, he didn't. <laughs> no. Hillary Hillary had more votes than him the first go-around, and, of course, Joe Biden whooped him, I think. And I think that uh, Hillary probably would have won Pennsylvania had it not been for Jill Stein, who got, I think she got more votes like the Bernie crowd, then then Trump won by. Yeah. So that's a possibility. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I remember that's like the Nader effect back with. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Grant. Well, Nader didn't win anything, or he didn't spoil anything either. I don't think, but he uh, he ran in what ninety six. Yeah. Well, I I remember. Wasn't it um, the Gore Bush uh, election where he was a, a significant? He might have run then too. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I recall. I don't know. I mean, the the people that would have voted for Nader would pro- probably were in states that Gore won anyway. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say we shouldn't have a third party candidate. This is an open democracy, technically, and uh, I don't know about realistically, but uh, we we uh, we shouldn't dissuade people from running. But you also have to be pragmatic sometimes uh, with regard to you know whether you're going to vote at all or, or who you're going to vote for. And making making it count. I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of trying to figure all that out. You know, being. No, a... I, I mean, it's a. <clears throat> I mean, this it, this is not a problem exclusive to the United States. I mean, there's all kinds of shenanigans that go on everywhere. So, you know. Does that make it okay? No, certainly not. It's just, but it, you know, it's uh we're in company with the rest of the world. Well, we're becoming uh, more and more like uh, maybe a banana republic. Yeah, that's the thing that scares uh, me. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, we're moving in that direction. We're moving in all the wrong directions, it seems. But uh, we're still, we still have some strong institutions. So let's hope that uh, this is this this whole period is just uh, an aberration. Let's hope. Let's hope. And you have to vote. I don't for for sure. Every everybody, because we're getting up on the midterm elections. Everybody listening, vote. Vote oh, by all means. By all means, don't think your vote doesn't count. It does count, and and vote for good people. Now, good quote unquote. I mean, that's subjective. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, some people that are running are just uh, uh, the things that they say. I I can't say that they're good. You know, they'll be good you for know, the country. And, you know, I'm 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 I am heartened by it. like it isn't all about politics because I think about Lynn Cheney. And I could she couldn't be more different in terms of, of the way she votes, I think, than the way I would be if I were in Congress. And uh, I mean, she probably voted with the Trump agenda like 95 or 100 percent of the time. But I think she has integrity because she's not going to go along with this BS just because of, you know, some iconoclast. So, you know, there's there is something there, I guess. I, I try to take uh, some solace out of that. Yeah, I hear you. That's that's for sure. Uh, so, hopefully, um, the blue beats the red 
in the midterm elections, and we hold the Senate and uh, hold the hold uh, the House as well. We'll see. What do you think? Yeah, I, I will. I mean, just from what I'm listening to, I'm a lot more confident about the Senate than the House. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's I guess it's not uncommon to lose the House after uh, you know the first uh, the first term during the first term for the part the president's party, whoever it is. I know, but can you imagine McCarthy as Speaker of the House? Oh, my Lord. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, wasn't he already? Who? I mean, during Trump, we had uh, probably a number of them. Paul Ryan was, was for a while, uh, but he didn't last. I, now, I can't remember now, but what, I thought it was McCarthy. Well, he, he, he is uh, such a hypocrite and uh and you know he, he behind closed doors will say one thing but for power he'll do anything i i don't know some people will say that that is a politician so what am i yeah what do i sure. expect yeah yeah uh, i mean there's there's but there's degrees of it i mean yes like hillary clinton kind of changed her um specific interests in certain issues based on how the wind was blowing but that's a lot different than you know him giving up sign of a full-throated repudiation of what happened on on January 6th and then, you know, turn, doing a 180 and supporting this guy. Like, I, I don't get that. And no. the same goes with McConnell. Right. Uh, I, I don't like him either. Uh, and I don't, I don't think McCarthy was ever Speaker of the House. He's been the majority leader. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Under Boehner and Ryan, he was. Uh, well, Boehner goes back, uh, that's, that's a long time ago. That's our chain-smoking Speaker of the House. He's out of politics altogether. He got smart. He said, "This this place is crazy." Yeah. And he just said, "Yeah, that's right." So, let's get off politics for now. Yes, yeah, indeed. yeah. It's you know, let's hope for the best, and everybody do their part. Be good citizens. Do your homework. Make make uh, good decisions. Let's move on to one of the topics you shared you want, that you wanted to delve into. Post-COVID travel observations. So you are a traveler. Yes. You are an well, urban hiker. What what, have, what are your observations? Well, I mean, it's just, and this is nothing. There's no revelations here. Uh, but, you know, just getting back into it, uh, as I had been prior to COVID, it's just uh, like a certain, I mean, this is, these are first world problems for sure. But in hotels, like room service is gone. Like that doesn't exist anymore. Or, I mean, it ha- I haven't seen it. And I can understand that it's in part because, uh, they want to minimize close contact, certainly in the beginning, and also because they can't find enough people to fill these jobs. And uh, this has also meant that, um, like, I've been in this hotel since Tuesday. It's now Thursday, and they haven't my, my room hasn't been made up, and it's not going to be until I leave, which I don't care about that much. But, um, you know, these are the things you, you just get expected. Or, or restaurants, uh, you know, a, a big downtown hotel would generally have a restaurant, like a nicer restaurant. Uh, and those are kind of disappearing, I've noticed, um, in favor. They might have a bar because that's going to make money. And you only need, you know, one person to be a bartender by and large. And you can sell wings and burgers and whatnot fairly easily. But to have a real restaurant, you have to have, like, kitchen staff that's, you know, trained up. And these positions, hospitality is really facing a, a labor shortage. So... That, yeah, you know I've noticed that. So, what do you make of it? Is it why is there a staff shortage for restaurants? Well, I mean, this whole phenomenon just 
somewhat perplexes me. I, I can understand someone who's making a you know like a, an hourly wage uh, during the beginning of COVID when they were getting a check, uh, saying you know the heck with this job. I'm gonna just uh, you know collect for a while, and then when things get back to normal, maybe I'll have money to go to school or start a business. I'm hoping a lot of people did that. But I mean that those those payments are long, long gone, more than you know probably two years almost, uh, or a year and a half. And you know I wonder what people do to to pay their rent or to pay their bills. I mean, if they they didn't take other jobs, uh, and for some now some of these folks might have had training or college degrees, and you know that was the impetus for them to go off and do whatever it was they were going to do anyway. But I mean for other people who had service industry jobs, they that was their job and now they're not a lot of them aren't doing it anymore and i wonder how they survive yeah me too me too it's not so you don't think it's the restaurants aren't willing to hire them because they don't no are you kidding you keep walk around and uh there's first you know you know they're, they're not only willing to hire them they're raising their pay to the extent that they can they're giving people uh signing bonuses in some cases like if you stay for a couple months three months you get thousand dollars or and, and it's not just restaurants, it's retail and lots of sectors um, are facing this problem. Um, so what are you going to do about it, <laughs> Travis? I'm going to talk about it on your show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it, it is a, a first world problem, as you said. But it, it's also, uh, you know, a, a real economic uh, crisis for a significant sector of our uh, society, you know, as you said, hospitality, restaurateurs, uh, they're, they're going to end up shutting down. Yeah, but I mean, where I live, there's still a lot of people going to restaurants. It's just the, the, the experience is different. You might have to wait longer or, and some people may decide not to because of the, because of that fact. But, you know, I think people were dying to go out uh, after being shut in for, you know, a year and a half. So, you know, it's an interesting combination of effects. It truly is. It truly is. I guess we'll, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, I, personally, I think the sign of a civilized society is having many different venues to, to go to, um, whether it be art venues, uh, places where you can get a nice meal, uh, what have you, community venues uh, open to the public. And the less of those that you have, the the less dynamic, the less healthy your society is. So I, I hope we don't go down this road where we're all just sitting in our homes, uh, ordering takeout and or you know, watching uh, our phones and, and not doing anything else. That that just doesn't sound like a good way to be. I agree, and uh, I think that we're we're you know we're inching back to normal, uh, but there was a time. I mean. I went into my office for the first time in September since February of 2020, and I didn't go in all that much anyway. I live in Philadelphia. The office is in Manhattan. Uh, but they, they, you know, we moved to this big office building that's huge that could sit three or 400 people, which is actually not enough after the company merged with another company. So they allowed some people to kind of work on this flex time, people like me who travel a lot. Uh, so I don't have a desk anymore like I used to. I have a locker, and if I go into the office, I have to write to HR and say, I'm coming in on Tuesday. Can I have desk number three in the section of the office where our, our group is? And uh, that's the way. And then when you go in, it's or at least the t- time, couple times that I did, it was empty. 
Like there was maybe 20 people there, tops, in this massive building. This is in Manhattan. Yeah. So. Uh, What'd they do you know, at your desk? Well, I mean, it wasn't, you know, we moved from our spot in, in where we were in Soho, which I loved. And, you know, I, we, I had a spot there. And then when they, they, they got the new location, they just they created neighborhoods. So the different departments within the company have neighborhoods where they all sit. And when you're in the office, there are some dedicated colleagues that actually go in every day, but there's not that many of them. And uh, the rest of us, uh, you find a spot and you, you plug your laptop into the little docking station. And that's all you really need because most of us, 95% of us, all we do is uh, we work on our computers and maybe we you know use the phone and that's it. Um, there's not a lot of uh, need to be in person, but you know it's a good thing from time to time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I think it's, it's healthy good for cities. To, I think we talked about this the time before our last when we spoke, when it was closer to just coming out of COVID that, um, you know, people not working in downtowns has implications for downtowns. Like, you know, a lot of restaurants probably went out of business because those folks are working at home. See, that's and, that's what I thought you was the reason the uh, restaurants weren't running the way that they uh, could be is because they didn't have the clientele. And that's why, they, and I thought they weren't hiring people because they couldn't support them. Uh, but, well, there was a time, like, there's a restaurant across the street from our house, and uh, he stayed open through, through all of COVID, but for the first, I don't know, six months or something, or maybe longer than that, you couldn't go in and sit down and have a meal. You could get takeout. And people did that because they wanted to support the local neighborhood place, and you know he did say they have good food, but um, they they didn't need all their staff. They needed some kitchen people, and uh, and that's it. They didn't need a dishwasher because everything was going into takeout containers, uh, and they didn't really need a bartender because you couldn't go in there. I mean, you could get I guess you could buy takeout six packs and stuff like that, but you know the that workforce got moved around a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, the beginning now, of it. and now we want them back and they're not there. Yeah. Well, some of them don't want to go back because uh, they feel that uh, it's not worth it because yeah. there's a level of danger when you're in that industry of, you know, of, you know, of getting COVID, which, you know, hopefully we're past it to the point where it's, you know, kind of like the flu or, 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 you know, common cold, which comes around all the time. But, you know, you never know. And what happens if, you know, well, if we really hit a really deadly um, pandemic, then hmm. yeah. that's scary. <laughs> no, yeah. it's, that's not worth thinking about. No, no. Um, well, you know, post COVID travel observations from Travis Ignatowski. That's good stuff. We, you know, we're, uh, probably two thirds of the way into our conversation. This go around. I, I know we have two more topics that you'd like to delve into. Uh, right. Well, I made the, a list, you know, of things that we might talk about based on, observations i have here and there uh and to try to make it sound interesting well and one uh, of the things that i I put on my list was about the about stem education right of course it's hugely important but you know humanities education and uh and i've noticed that there's there's uh you know groups out there that want to augment the stem education with the steam education where the a represents arts which i think is an excellent idea however a lot of times you you hear this the rationale for this uh you know in addition to being that the arts are worthy in and of themselves but also that you know it cultivates design thinking and that works with us with the, the the stem disciplines all of which is all great um but 
I still think that certain humanities are getting ignored, even in that model, like like history and literature and 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 you know, learning about the development of of society beyond just its 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 art and its music, uh, and that's you know the kind of thing that the Soviet Union tries to do. Like the you know they're always great in math, but you know they may not know things about other governments or how the rest of the world works. And you know I think that you know we really need to have kids educated and stuff like that so they can can vote intelligently and they know how the system works and not get hoodwinked. So I think that uh, that needs to be given attention, you know, throughout society. And you're an educator, so... What level uh, are you talking? You're talking... Uh, I guess a K through 12, mostly, but um, because if you don't have it there, then what good is it in, in no, higher and what, education? And what kind of courses are we talking about in your view? Again, <laughs> I history... Don't know. I, I think foreign languages would be good. Well, that that's kind of a separate issue right. that I mentioned, but uh, foreign languages. History, and I know you have to take history, uh, but not just getting like, you know, dates and wars and things of this nature, but actual discussions of how society works and the mechanics of our government and civics, civics. is really important. Yeah. Yes. As opposed to just social studies uh, or history uh, as a kind of rote memorization of things that happened, but really delving into, uh, you know, how society works and and doing a lot of comparing and contrasting with uh, how things are today and things that have happened in the past. And what and, about in our country versus another country, you know, in different places? And what about something like poetry? Is there a value in that for our young people? Yeah, well, there's a value in everything, and and that can be taken. That I'm sure a poet like learning about poetry uh, could give you insight into these things that I'm discussing, or it could just give you insight into uh, the artistry of of writing poetry. Um, so yeah, I mean, for sure. And yourself, I think, you know, good poetry also makes you reflect on life, you know, the, the challenges, the struggles, the beauty, all of that. Uh, so to... yes, I know that you're, you're quite the poet and you have uh, regaled us with your, with your works on this very program. Uh, well, uh, I don't have the poetry gene in the sense that nice. I don't, I don't get it as much as I can't, I can't connect to it as easily as I can with prose. But I certainly respect and appreciate it. Yeah, prose and poetry both are beautiful. That gets us back to politics, isn't? Uh, <laughs> yes, that gets us back to what I really want to talk. About. What, what, what do they? What do they say? They say that uh, the campaign is is poetry, and the actual uh, functioning uh, once you become a politician is prose. Is that the way it's? Oh, I, I don't know. Explain what. What do you mean by that? I can understand the first part of it that. You know, you're trying to speak in florid language to uh, attract the voter during the campaign. Right. And then, and when, then you're like going on and on and on during the actual uh, the, governing. There's more substance, perhaps. There's more to be said. There's more to be done uh, uh, when you're actually governing. I guess that's that's the analogy. Uh, wh what do I know? Look it up on Google. Yes, uh, that's right. That's what Google's there for. <laughs> that's why God gave us Google. <laughs> now... Um, we, we have just a, a moment or two left, believe it or not, Travis Ignatowski, our resident urban hiker and uh, elitist intellectual. Um, so Speak for yourself. <laughs> do, do you want to close with any, any particular thoughts for the listeners? Huh, not that I can think of off the top of my head, but you know, keep books. traveling if you can. You're against banned. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. Well, I'm glad you mentioned books. I always try to go to a like an independent bookstore when I'm different places. There's a really cool one in Pittsburgh uh, that I don't remember the name of, but it's right in between Pitt and CMU. 
And uh, I got something there when I was there a few months ago. Which book did you uh, get? It was called uh, The Emperor of Ice Cream, wow. which is the name of a Wallace Stevens poem. And it, uh, it's by an, an Irish writer. It was written in, in the 60s. And it, it's about, uh, it's kind of a coming-of-age story of this 18-year-old kid uh, in Northern Ireland right before World War II. And it's very funny and very insightful. So. And what's the title again? The Emperor of Ice Cream. Nice, nice. Are you by gonna, Brian Moore. Brian Moore, are you, gonna, are you getting some kickback for for mentioning on Troubadours uh, and Rock I, I, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Moore is no longer with us, although I'm not positive. Um, but yeah, and I got a first edition, which I also like doing. So, and I got a first edition while I was here in Michigan as well, of The Comedians by Graham Greene, which I already read. Uh, but it's a real neat edition, and it was not expensive, so. Wow. Yeah, another one of my nerdy habits. That's awesome. I uh, thank you for sharing two great titles with us here on Troubadours on Rock on Tour. So uh, the holidays are coming up. Hopefully, we get a chance to see you and your wonderful. Uh, I'm getting you the same wife. thing I got you last year for Christmas. Uh, nada. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll get but you I that mean, as the well. Absence of, of material wealth should, you know, I think there's more value in that. All I need is your love. That's all. <laughs> That's right. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. Uh, enjoy the rest of your stay in Detroit, and we'll talk with you over the holidays. Sounds good. Ciao. See you soon. Ciao. Ask yourself if you are happy, and then you cease to be. That's a tip from you to me. Sure. I don't ask myself for nothing anymore My peace is freedom from the masses The masses cannot see That's a tip from them to me And now I know for sure
Now some actual findings, observations, studies, facts, figures, as gathered by Harper's Magazine for its August 2022 edition. These are actual findings. A study in the Lernagoscope found that six of seven singing injuries could be treated conservatively by singing speech pathologists. Users of American Sign Language make obscure signs closer to the face. Sleep consolidates positive emotions and suppresses negative ones. Late-onset alcoholism may be a symptom of dementia. Gut microbiomes indicate when football players have recovered from a concussion. Concussions and traumatic brain injuries can occur among musk oxen and bighorn sheep. And macaws conceived during the 2018 California wildfires have worse memories and are more passive. Researchers identified the spike protein change that allows canine coronavirus to jump to humans. Canine cognitive dysfunction syndrome may be a useful model for Alzheimer's. And the subdued monotonous speech effect of Parkinson's can be replicated in zebra finches. A meta-study of psychedelic lizard ingestion failed to identify any female users, and light-sensing neurons were revived in the eyes of the dead. Earth plants were successfully cultivated in moon soil. Dry wood termites have made at least 40 ocean crossings in the past 50 million years. And the black rat colonized Europe twice. A silver Roman penis pendant, unearthed by a retiree, was ruled to be treasure, then assessed by the coroner of Maidstone for its, quote, foreskin, shaft, and pubes, end quote. The consumption of improperly cooked cow entrails during winter feasts was responsible for the intestinal parasites of those who built Stonehenge. A six-year-old on Baudse Beach found the tooth of a megalodon, which were found to have gone extinct partly because of competition with great white sharks. Bottlenose dolphins in the northern Egyptian Red Sea rub against mucus-secreting gorgonian coral polyps to self-medicate, and Indonesian blood python harvesting is unsustainable. Playing the sound of jackdaws reaching a consensus to leave their roosts makes other jackdaws leave their roosts on average six minutes faster. Wild horses can distinguish between positive and negative human sounds. Finnish laser scans revealed the reason tree branches droop at night. The corn belt is on track to become unsuitable for corn 
cultivation by 2100. There may be a mirror universe of particles that interacts with our universe through gravity alone. How do you like them apples? Position remains fixed, my dear. Results can be mixed. I fear there's a stasis. No new ideas, no new faces. Misadventures in far flung places. Don't get me wrong, it's not dull. But if you stay here long enough, I feel we'll always be this way. If you're screwing up your face, so won't it always stay that way? Always be this way. Will we always stay this way? You know there really isn't much preventing the way you see the world cementing. There's a stony creeping. Cradle to grave, we're forever weeping. Rounded on our sides, you're forever sleeping. Promise to resist until you die. Promise to resist until you die. And I'm set in motion. The arbiter of time. The unexpressed emotion. Capital crime. So pick a random number. Making sure it's prime Pick a random number Between one and one hundred and nine Softness Wheat maiden bushes The rules of grass with yellow dandelions Into fuzzy white floating softness Off into the sunset Until another day Why with all of this power and beautiful glory Can I not follow the will to quit smoking? I think I shall find it 
And there is the sunrise. Good morning, evening, friends. Here's your friendly announcer. I have serious news to pass on to. Change your joy and laughter to tears and pain. It's that love in need of love today. Don't delay, send yours in right away.
And there you have it, episode 493 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Travis Ignatowski. I'd like to thank Harper's Magazine and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Junior Thomas and the Volcanoes, Bob Dylan, Jack White, Dick Dale, Andrew Berg, Stevie Wonder, Branford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care. <laughs>